and welcome back to Rank Amateur. Today in Rank Amateur, we have the Imperial Japanese Navy Tier 8 non-premium destroyer, the Akazuki. This is, uh, it's an interesting ship, you know, I've been quite enjoying it, but it's its not without its uh, flaws and uh, nuances. Uh, I thought it was sort of an invincible um, sort of ship before, but um, this was years ago, but in recent times, it has become less so, and uh, that is what we will be going over today. But first, let's get into the news of World of Warships. And as far as news in World of Warships, I'd say it's a pretty average week. We've had some things happen, but it's, uh, this is, you know, it's been fairly quiet for a little while. It's starting to warm up a little bit now as far as the news is concerned. Uh, Battle of Midway missions, uh, Lighthouse Musashi auction... Uh, they've all happened. Uh, the 500, 500th anniversary of the Swedish Navy um, had some combat missions, a new special commander and patch, and then a um, new exhibit of Longest Night at the Museums, Brazil Day, Navy Day camouflages, the return of USS Black. Yes, you heard that right. You have to play through a bunch of campaigns to have the privilege, the privilege of buying USS Black for a mere seventy dollars, seventy U.S. dollars that is. So yeah, no, nothing. I mean, they have some other cool um, things you can get with Pacific tokens, which are the new currency. And I mean, Black's a good ship, but none of these ships are worth seventy bucks, in my opinion. I, I'm not paying seventy bucks for something I can't hold in my hand. I mean, I'll pay forty, but I, I won't pay seventy. That's as much as a as its own video game, and that's just part of a video game. But it is good, so to each his own. Anyways, um, new camouflage contest. Uh, Going to be a steampunk camouflage for a tier seven battleship. Uh, oh, it's so it's just an, you're designing a new camouflage. It's supposed to be like a steampunk camouflage for a for a tier seven or for a blank t on a blank template that is a tier seven battleship. But it's just going to be a normal camouflage. So. Yeah, you can do whatever. Uh, speaking of camouflage contests, there's the uh, Commonwealth Destroyer Hurons contest. Um, that is conclu has concluded. The voting, the votes are in, um, and they are have not released or they have not tallied them yet. That's gonna be released just a few hours after this episode goes live. I have my favorites. I'm not gonna say them though because I want to see what happens. Um, I think I think I know who's gonna win, but I. I'm not sure. Anyways, the next update should be coming out this Wednesday at 5 a.m. Central Time. Uh, and the server will be down from 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. Central Time. Not like anybody plays at that time anyways. Because people who played at 2 a.m. are asleep and the most of people are at work. Um, 
Yeah, but we got the Return of Convoy battles, some special events and themed commanders, uh, the the Statue of Liberty specialty commander, um, San Diego's coming out, the the San Diego the Cruiser, which literally seems like a Tier Eight Austin, except it was uh, it seems like a bit crap, but you know we'll see. Uh, they're updating the models of the Tier Seven um, and up uh, U.S. Navy cruisers, and then in uh, update 0.11.6, they're going to update the models of Samson, Wicks, Clemson, Nicholas, Farragut, and Sims. Uh, they're basically just correcting the models. They've shrunk a few of them. They've shrunk gearing because uh, gearing is way too big. Um, uh, new convoy battles. Uh, it's 12v12 format, tier 8 to 10. Um, yeah, that's more maps, more routes. Just kind of, you know, a general quality of life update's not too much there. French cruisers going to be in your second part. Um... 11.6, when 11.6 goes live, so the next update in August, these things will be able to be researched. Um, yeah, you know, early access is for uh, Brest and Marcel, uh, are able to, you're able to unlock them. The Faroe Islands is coming into the map, um, or coming into the map, coming into the game. The Faroe Islands map is coming into the game. Looks pretty spectacular. They got this cool iceberg looking island thing, so that's pretty cool. Wonder if that'll block shells or not. Um, probably will, but it, it just flowing mountains designated for battles involved battles involving tier eight to ten ships as well as super ships. Obviously, by the way, super ships super overpowered. Like literally, I was playing in my Kitakaze the other day, and we had the strangest matchmaking: four destroyers, four battleships, or no, four destroyers, three battleships. Um, literally, there was three super ships on each side, and all three of them spawned on my flank with me and my friend who was in his Kitakaze, and we just got blasted by them, absolutely blasted. We ended up winning because our super ships are better, but they were just so overpowered. You you try, they, they spot you, or they outspot you, the Yamagiri outspotted me, and then took 15k off in a single salvo. That is insane. That is that is unjust. The only purpose that these things have is to violate the Geneva Convention, or Geneva Conventions, I should say. That, that should not be... A, that it, it's cancer, it's cancer, don't, n none of these are balanced, and I'm sure I'm just preaching to the choir here, but none of these are balanced, they shouldn't be in the game, and I'm tired of them, but at least no one plays them, because they're super expensive to play, and I don't know why we saw three of them in the same map, because I hardly ever see them at tiers 9 and 10, I don't know if I'm just getting lucky or something like that, but I hardly ever see them, anyways, um, uh, yeah, so for all islands, uh, gonna use domination mode, uh, personal challenges, get you um, basically just coal and community tokens, and decent amount of coal and, uh, community tokens. You can get as many as 5,000, allegedly, just for completing challenges in certain ship types and nations. Uh, you can get one day of Warships Premium for just reading the articles. Uh, new, new brawls, uh, 1v1 tier 9 ships, so you know you're gonna see Pomerans, you know you're gonna see Georges, and you know you're gonna see John Varts. Um, so it's gonna be June 20th through 27th at 9 a.m., uh, Pacific time to 2 a.m. Pacific time, um, as far as on those days, uh, so June 20th, 9 a.m. start, uh, June 27th, 2 a.m. Uh, stop, oh god, total limit for submarines and destroyers, let's see what they did here, and good, it's nothing major, just basically saying that there's gonna be, um, like a set amount, like you should theoretically see less submarines, but you could see up to, 
two submarines and four destroyers in a battle if the first player's been waiting 40 to 89 seconds, and past that you could see more than that, so... Yeah, I guess Hope Matchmaker's working quickly on that day. Um, they've fixed the submarine um, torpedo angling uh, th thing. So essentially, your torpedo tubes won't move, so you ha the submarines will now have fixed torpedoes, and they will require aiming to deviate from that course, because submarine torpedo tubes in reality were fixed. You had to turn the whole ship. Uh, this is just to be consistent with the torpedo aiming mechanics that are on the new British battleship that will be coming out uh, after the French cruisers in August. Okay, so as far as game balance changes, not too much, but we have seen a huge buff to um, Kansas, Minnesota, and Vermont. Vermont now gets, uh, I believe it's Massachusetts-grade heels, um, uh, better engine parameters, better armor thickness by almost doubling it, or close to doubling it, uh, 38 to 51 millimeters on the uh, side plating, so now you will bounce um, most cruisers. Uh, you will not bounce Goliath shells, though. Uh, or not bounce, shatter, I mean, because it's HE. Um, I think you can bounce a lot of, um, or shatter a lot of sap shells now. That's good. Um, increase the flight time of shells, though. Uh, increase close-range armor capabilities and reduce long-range armor penetration capabilities. So you just kind of, like, uh, distinguish itself from, you know, the Montana, where it's just super heavy all the time You're, the drop off is going to be uh, I guess more intense so it's going to try and promote them to get closer possibly um, uh, Minnesota's had detection range reduced uh, reload time on the repair party's been reduced armor's been improved engine parameters improved Kansas says engine parameters improved repair parties uh, reload time has been half to just 40 seconds uh, and detectability range on the Minnesota uh, specifically has gone from 17.54 to 16.4 kilometers. So big buffs that were totally necessary. Uh, and I, I do not mean that sarcastically. They were, they were actually necessary in those. New collections and stuff. A Peter the Great camouflage, or not camouflage, commander's coming. New Transformers collaboration again. And bug fixes. That's what's in the new update. So... Uh, let's get on to the history of Japanese destroyer Akazuki, which means Autumn Moon uh, in Japanese. The Japanese were very good at naming their ships, and they, their names for their ships were often very poetic and quite nice. Um, so what was Akazuki? Well, she was an Akazuki-class destroyer. She was built at the Maizoru Naval Arsenal. She was laid down on July 30th, 1940, launched on July 2nd, 1941, and completed on June 11th, 1942. Kind of a slow building time for the middle of the war, but alright. Uh, she was commissioned on the same day, June 11th, 1942. Um, she had a displacement of 2,700 long-ton standard and 3,700 long-tons full load. Uh, she had a length of 134.2 meters, or 440 feet 3 inches, so she was quite a large destroyer. Uh, she had a beam of 11.6 meters, or 38, uh, 38 feet 1 inch. Um, she had a draft of 4.15 meters, or 13 feet 7 inches, so she was uh, she was a big destroyer. She carried four camp pond boilers, um, two Parsons-geared steam turbines, which I believe are English, actually. That's kind of strange. Yeah, that's right, because uh, the Japanese had a ton of stockpiled English machinery and shells and equipment and things. And uh, the first, I believe the first shells fired at American ships and that failed to detonate and were found inside the ships were found to be manufactured in England, which was kind of funny. Um, she carried two shafts, so had a total of 50,000 shaft horsepower, which propelled her to the mediocre pedestrian speed of 33 
knots. She had a range of 8,300 nautical miles at 18 knots, which was actually kind of quick for a high endurance speed. She carried a complement as built of 263 crew members, uh, and her armament as of June 1942 consisted of uh, 800 millimeter, 4 inch, 65 caliber Type 98 uh, guns. She carried four Type 96 25 millimeter AA guns. This is a 0.98 inch gun. She carried four 610 millimeter torpedo tubes, which I believe, yes, they did. Uh, she carried eight long lance torpedo to or torpedoes aboard and she carried 56 type 95 depth charges as of october 1944 she carried 800 millimeter 65 caliber dp guns she carried 35 25 millimeter ha guns 14 13 millimeter ha guns four 610 millimeter torpedo tubes still that same complement of eight long lance torpedoes and 56 Type 95 depth charges. This was by all means an AA gunboat rather than a torpedo boat. This had the most pathetic torpedo armament of any Japanese destroyer of World War II, and that was its greatest drawback in the minds of the captains and admirals who had the pleasure of commanding these ships. Akazuki did not have a super illustrious career, we'll say. Uh, she en did end up sinking in action, actually exploding in action, but um, her career began when she was completed in June of 1942, after which she participated in the Battle of the Eastern Solomon Islands on the 24th of August 1942, sustaining no damage throughout the battle. After this, she participated in the Guadalcanal campaign, to help, helping to guard transports, sustaining a bomb hit of her own and several near misses, on October 25th, which killed 11 of her crew and injured 22 of them, slowing her to a pathetic 23 knots. She returned to Japan and was repaired from the 8th of November to the 15th, 16th of December 1942, and on the 19th of January 1943, the Americans thought it might be nice for her to have another trip to Japan. So they torpedoed her with the first USS Nautilus, uh, which fl resulted in a flooded boiler room and a flooded starboard engine room, killed 14 and injured 64 of her crew. She was able to make 20 knots this time and had to resort to using emergency steering. Uh, she uh, remerged, or she returned, emerged. <laughs> she returned to Truk and had to spend the weeks from, or the days from the 2nd of February 1943 to 11th of February, or 11th of March rather. And she spent this time alongside a repair ship. And that's the most fun any sailor will have. And I'm pretty sure every sailor who's ever sailed in the Navy said that that was not the most exciting time of their service. Although, they will also tell you that when it's exciting, it usually is not a good thing. Interestingly enough, as she was preparing to return to service, uh, it was noticed that her bow was sagging as she was uh, steaming out of port. So to save her from potentially breaking in half, as the command of the ship thought she might, she was beached at Saipan. And she was actually cut in half, which is kind of strange. Uh, the bow and or the bridge and forward turrets were removed to lighten the ship, and she was uh, it was replaced with a temporary wave bow, which is literally just something that comes to a straight point and uh, essentially is just a wedge. It's not angled in any fashion. It's literally just a thin wedge. Um, and she had a temporary bridge installed behind the mainmast, and she was repaired from July to October, which is actually fairly quick for reconstructing half a ship, but uh, a bow was received from her incomplete sister ship, Shimosuke. Um, 
and this allowed her, this quick repair time, allowed her to participate in the Battle of the Philippine Sea, helping to rescue survivors from Taiho and help protect Zukaku from air attack. In October 1944, however, Akizuki's luck would begin to run out. While supporting the Japanese uh, repulsive effort or defensive effort of the invasion of Leyte by the Americans, she was struck by a stray torpedo, probably from an aircraft of Task Force 38, or some credit the submarine USS Halibut is firing this torpedo. However, this torpedo proved to be a fatal blow to the Akazuki, and she sank quickly afterwards. And that is the end of the IGN Akazuki. Like I said, not an illustrious career, but a certainly active one, as uh, most of the Japanese Navy had before meeting a violent demise. And that's what happened with the Akazuki. This concludes the actual real-life section of the episode on the IGN Akazuki. So let's move on to the World of Warships section of this episode, where her life is significantly more nuanced than that of the real world. So, what did she start out? Well, she starts out with an 11.33 kilometer range, a 3 second reload, which I may say is a huge upgrade over the tier 7, which I think, what is like a 7 second reload? Yeah, 7.5 second reload. That is insane. It's an insane upgrade. Uh, that's literally less than half. Anyways, so this means she can fire 20 rounds a minute. She has 180 degree turn time on her turrets, 11.25 seconds. Also a huge improvement over tier 7. And this just marks the change, I guess, in playstyle. The vast change in playstyle. I think more severe of a change, or more, I guess, dramatic of a change than any other line in the game, or at least most other lines in the game. I can't really think of one now, I'm sure there's some out there that has a more dramatic range. Someone will email me about it, but anyways, um, her accuracy is pretty good. She has a 2.0 Sigma, maximum dispersion horizontal of just 100 meters, which at 11.33 kilometers is a I mean, it's not too bad. It really, you really don't notice it that much. Maximum dispersion vertical of 60 meters. Uh, she starts out with 192,000 raw DPM for HE shells. They do a maximum damage of 1,200, which is good for a 100 millimeter gun because she does carry four uh, t uh, twin mounted, uh, 100 no eight twin mounted 100 millimeter 65 caliber Type 98 guns. Um, uh, they launch a 13 kilogram shell, which is nothing. Um, they have a 2mm depth explosion, 30mm HE penetration, which is amazing for their size. Um, burn probability is 5% here. That means 33.7% per salvo, so you don't really get that many fires. I mean, allegedly you're supposed to get 6, you don't. Um, the AP shell is also pretty decent. Uh, it's a bit anemic on its damage at just 1700. It's not uh, the Japanese type damage. Uh, that you see on the high explosive shells, so you primarily be firing high explosive, but at a broadside target, I mean, it gets the job done. You have 272,000 AP DPM, 1,000 meters a second velocity, which sounds like a lot, but the air drag coefficient of these shells is terrible. You lose so much velocity on these shells just because they're so light. I mean, they only weigh 13 kilograms even on the AP shells, so I doubt by the time you get out to maybe 8 kilometers, they might be going... 700 meters a second, baby. Maybe, probably less than that, actually. So, just, it's something to note that you're not going to get crazy, like, Russian shell arcs, because the shells are just aren't that heavy. They're not a Russian gun. You get standard ricochet angles on these shells. That's 45 degrees, 60 degrees. 
The depth explosion is your standard 1 meter. You get an overmatch of 6 millimeters and an th arming threshold of 17 millimeters with a shortened fuse timer of just 0 0.01 of a second. The uh, firing sector of the ship, eh, it's pretty good, I would say. It's it's workable. It's it's solid, I would say. It's not absurd. I mean, the front turrets firing rearwards because of how far forward they are mounted is pretty good. But the back turrets firing forwards is a little bit worse, not too much, I believe. Um, but yes, it's it's good. It's good. No problems, no complaints there whatsoever. Your torpedoes have a 10 kilometer range. Uh, they are the Type 90 Mod 1s by default. Uh, actually, you know what? I should probably... Let's select all the modules here. Uh, if you So select all the modules, you get the Type 93 Mod 2s. Although I wouldn't really take the torp module because... It's not useful, but we'll just assume that you have it fully upgraded. Uh, also, the fire uh, control module gives you a range of 12.46 kilometers. Because let's be honest, most people are going to free XP these upgrades anyways, or these modules anyways. Um, the torpedoes are your Type 93 Mod 2s. They're going to do 20,967 damage with a 10 kilometer mean range. So that's pretty amazing. Although their reload is not. 112 second reload. Although it's better than the Kitakaze, it's really terrible. The reload time is is disappointing at best but it needs to be for balancing purposes uh torpedo speed is a pretty decent 67 knots detectability range is kind of bad at 1.7 kilometers japanese torpedoes hit very hard but usually they're not known to be the stealthiest torpedoes that are uh, i believe they're they're a little a little uh more detectable than the american torpedoes and um yeah nowhere near as stealthy as those pan-asian things you can spot at less than a kilometer away um the reaction time will get you 9.4 seconds. Reaction time with a 355 second chance of causing flooding. So, yeah, it's it's not great. But the torpedoes, I mean, they get the job done because if you hit one of them, that's 20,000 damage. It kills most destroyers at your tier. Uh, catches, I catch tons of people off guard in smoke screens all the time with this ship. That's basically the only use for these torpedoes and just, you know, the oh crap, something's there. Because the firing sector is atrocious. You basically fire straight off either side. That's effectively what you get. It's not, it's never claimed to be good. It's not good. Your torpedoes are not a joke, but there's only four of them and they fire right off the side of the ship, basically. So, whatever. Survivability, you do have 20,400 hit points, which is... I believe best in tier, I think. No, I think the German things are best in tier, those German destroyers, but those are crap at fighting other destroyers, so they don't count. They're basically like cruisers anyways. Yeah, so effectively best in tier, or close to best in tier. Fires last 30 seconds, you can have four of them. Uh, you have a 36.6% chance, or probability reduction. Um, total damage per fire, though, is only 1,800, so, I mean, letting them burn is not that big of a deal. Floating, uh, you can get two floods. You have a 33% uh, probability reduction of getting a flood. Zero damage reduction on torpedo because you do not carry a torpedo belt because you're a destroyer. Uh, you'll take 2,040 damage per flood. Your concealment's not great. 7.53 kilometers without any mod or without any upgrades or anything on there. So, yeah, you'll detect, be detected 2.48 kilometers after firing your guns at smoke and 9.53 kilometers away on fire. You'll be seen 3.55 kilometers away um, from the air. Your maneuverability, you got maximum speed of an atrocious 33 knots, which is historically accurate, although it's very slow. The turning circle radius is also atrocious at 730 meters. The rudder shift time leaves much to be desired at 
5.6 seconds. Maneuverability and concealment, not one of these things' strengths. Uh, you get standard damage con, your Japanese smokescreen generator, uh, dispersion times 89 seconds, number of consumables is, is um, uh, 3, 0.45 kilometer action radius, reload time 160 seconds, which is, I feel, a bit too long. Consumable action time is 20 seconds. So, I mean, it's a long-lasting smoke, fairly long. I mean, better than the Germans, I believe, but not much, and certainly not American. I feel like this this thing could have gotten American smoke easily, but then it might have been a bit overpowered. So, that's one of my biggest complaints, is that the smoke screen generator is, is kind of crap. But, oh well. Uh, you get an engine boost, that's your standard 8% 3 charge. Engine boost, 120 second action time, 120 second reload time, pretty standard, it needs it, should get, I mean, you need it, you need it, because you'll get up to 35 knots with this, that's pretty much it. Um, you get the torpedo reload booster, which is very useful, you get three consumables, uh, 160 second reload time, really long reload time for these, uh, because they're potent, because it reduces your torpedo tube reload time to five seconds, and the consumable action time is one second, so, yeah, this is very useful, you can effectively get eight torpedoes in the water with this torp reload booster, um, I primarily use it as a backup. I don't really, uh, some people, when they're preemptively torping, will just use it to affect, just basically have a second launcher. You just dump two sets in. Um, I don't use it as that. I keep it in reserve. So I launch my torps preemptively, and then I will, uh, just let them reload unless, you know, something pops up and I can torp it, or I need to torpedo something to, like, save myself, or I'm gonna go suicide rush something, which doesn't happen that often, by the way. Uh, then I'll queue up the reload booster and get those tarps online and ready to go. Um, as far as upgrades, you're going to take main armaments mod 1, then you're going to take engine room protection, then you have a bit of a choice. Uh, 3, you could get smokescreen generator modification 1. Um, but, you know, that's... It reduces, it increases the dis action time, but reduces the dispersion time, so, I mean, it depends on what you like, but I really don't think of going for it. Uh, you could go for main battery mod too if you just want like MLG turrets, like, but I prefer going for aiming system so I can get more shots on target. Um, I go for steering gears mod 1, but you could go for propulsion mod 1, depends on the type of juking you like. I'm generally a steering juker, but I am starting to come to the crowd of, um, uh, you know, uh, propulsion uh, juking especially in smaller ships, but this ship, I feel, is just a little too slow to make propulsion juking viable, so that's why I take steering gears. And then, of course, concealment mod. You don't take the double rudder, uh, because then you will be spotted from low Earth orbit, although that will reduce your uh, rudder shift time to 2.7 seconds. The rate of turn is terrible on this thing because it is such a large ship. Uh, um, you're going to want to go with uh, concealment there. Um, as far as... Uh, skills go, probably grease the gears. Uh, you could go for gun feeder, but I mean, it's already a three second reload, so you don't, you don't really need that. Um, then I, I usually go for priority target because I like to run and gun with this thing, and it's nice to know when things are getting a little too hot and know precisely how many people are actually looking at you. Um, I do like adrenaline rush. Actually, that is necessary. Do not take anything other than adrenaline rush into uh, your very first three point skill. Actually, I take that back. You could take uh, survivability expert just to get that extra HP because you know when you're brawling it is useful. But I took uh, um, 
I, I took Adrenaline Rush. Uh, sorry if there's thunder in the background. There's currently a thunderstorm going on in uh, the place in which I reside. <laughs> um, then you're going to take Concealment Expert in the last slot. There's no contest there. That is what you need. You need you need, you need, you need Concealment Expert. Uh, on your second time around, you're going to come pick up Survivability Expert. And then you're going to come uh, pick up Fearless Brawler. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, you could pick up Main Battery and AA Expert. Uh, for a full 21 point commander, actually, I'd probably recommend that because that gets you out to um, 14 kilometers, 14.96 kilometers, almost 15 kilometers. Although your shelf light time will be a bit long out there, so some people prefer not to do that and maybe want the extra consumables instead, so they'll go for superintendent. Some people want to buff their torpedoes. I personally don't. Um, personally, don't want that. Uh, although you could, you could go for Mean Battery and AA Specialist, and I believe once I get enough points, this is what I will do. Uh, this allows you to reduce your Main Battery reload time by 5% base, so you're going to get a 2.56 second reload base. Uh, actually, you know, I'll take off Fearless Brawler. Um, yeah, 2.85 second reload, uh, and then when Fearless Brawler activates, then you're going to get a 2.56 second reload, and assuming you're on... 42% health, I'll just put it there, you're going to have a 2.27 second reload, which is comparable to the Kitakaze. So that leaves you as a, with a very competitive ship, I believe. Also, I forgot flags. You're going to go Juliet Charlie, uh, flooding flag, just to make sure that whatever gets hit by your torpedoes does flood. Um, speed flag for sure, consumable flag for sure. I go with... Uh, you could go with smokescreen flags. I don't generally go with that. I mean, that's usually the flags I use. Um... Uh, ramming flags, you could go with that. Uh, you could go with AA flags, although I like to keep my AA guns off. Um, yeah, this thing is not heavy on flags. Generally what I'm flying is flooding flag, speed flag, consumable flag, and de anti-detonation flag. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. This ship is complicated to play just because it's a lot like the Forest Sherman and the fact that it is it's a rabid chihuahua as far as how much damage it can dish out i mean as far as how many shells it can dish out now i do sometimes struggle to get damage in this ship and that's just because of the fact that the guns are so small that even with the crazy penetration they have they do lack penetration and once the super or they don't like penetration i guess they lack damage it's just because they're so small that when once the superstructure saturates you're you kind of struggle to deal damage and you throw out a ton of shells and it does add up over time, certainly. But the problem with that is, once that saturates, you're doing 500 damage a salvo if you're lucky. You can switch to AP, but then you worry about ricochets off complex superstructure geometry. It's It can be frustrating sometimes, uh, especially since you're, you are dishing out so many shells. Like, I'll have 500 hits and 60,000 damage, maybe. And that sounds like a lot, but per hit, that's nothing. And I get that's kind of the game you play with destroyers, but you know when it, that's it's basically it's one thing that you have that in a large health pool. That's your party tricks. It is a bit disappointing sometimes. I remember the days when this thing used to be absolutely unstoppable, um, but it has been a bit power crept in my opinion. And I this is an amazing ship, by the way. I mean, I it's I, it's a great ship. I would play it. I play it a lot. Um, I'm on Kitakaze right now. I do enjoy playing them. Uh, they are good in destroyer duels, but there are things that can counter them now. Notably, the French destroyers. Uh, French destroyers and the Forest Sherman. Um, great counters to this ship. And the reason why is because the Kitakaze, or the Hakazuki and the Kitakaze, are not very fast. They're very large targets. 
and uh, the Forest Sherman's not a very large target and has a faster reload, uh, hydroacoustic search, and smokescreen capabilities. Um, better smokescreen capabilities, that is. And the Kleber and the French Tessar is just super fast. Super fast, super hard to hit, hard hitting guns. Um, especially if they have a reload booster up, can easily take out Nakazuki. Um, in fact, as an Akazuki, I would not go after a French Destroyer unless you know you can kill him, you know he's not a great Destroyer, or uh, they're not a great Destroyer player, or not a great player in, in general, then maybe take it out. But I had a game, I was playing Kitakazi with uh, some of my friends, we had, came across a m amazing Colbert player. I mean, full jukes and all sorts of uh, steering jukes. He was impossible to hit at range, and he always stayed at his maximum range, so it was really hard to nail down. And uh, we eventually just kind of gave up and thought the CV would get him. The CV decided to ignore him, and he ended up uh, reload boosting all three of us to death, actually. He, he would essentially just come in, uh, ambush you, like just like I told people to do in the Sirocco episode. He would ambush you and then leave and go undetected, and you wouldn't see him. And if you did see him, he was at maximum range, no one could hit him, so no one bothered. And he he finished top of the enemy team, and, I mean, they won. He's the reason why they won. Um, yeah, it was an absolutely spectacular experience. I mean, cops to him, because that was, uh, that was, you know, kind of a one-time thing, I feel. I feel that Akazuki can do a fair bit of damage to a Colbert, but if a Colbert stays at range, it has no chance of hitting it because of the long shelf light times. I mean, that's one of my bigger complaints about this, is that the shells are so light because it is a small... They are small guns in the end. They, I mean, they may have penetration, but they are small guns. So you do have hard times hitting stuff out at range. I mean, I compare it to the American destroyers. I mean, the sheer volume of fire you put out is pretty amazing. I mean... If you're at 44% health, you can expect to have literally 252,000 HD uh, DPM and 358,000 AP shell DPM. I mean, it is amazing, but the maneuverability is atrocious. Hopefully, you don't get caught in a smoke screen, uh perpendicular torpedoes because you are dead. Um, I mean, it's good at tanking because it's got 23,200 health uh, if you take the superintendent or not superintendent, this survivability expert. I mean, he can tank a bit of damage. I mean, concealment's decent, full concealment spec. You'll get 6.1 kilometers out of it, which is enough to go dark when you need to, but, I mean, it is frustrating when you face torpedo boats, and especially boats that can outgun you, such as Cossack. Uh, he can dictate the terms of engagement. I mean, the... Okay, uh, torpedo boats that can outgun you, such as Yamagiri, or boats that just have better concealment and good guns, like the Cossack. Uh, Cossack has an advantage over the Akazuki because of the fact it can dictate terms of engagement, so it can essentially engage when it's just advantageous for it, or when your your guns are pointing the other way, or something like that. Um, yeah, so that makes it difficult to play this ship, especially with the horrible maneuverability. You can expect a maximum speed of 34.6 knots with a speed flag, uh, and a 4.5 second rudder shift time, you just take one module, it is clunky, it's hard to use, best used behind islands and in smoke screens, or uh, certainly aware of your surroundings, especially if there's just battleships around you, yes, you can come out of your smoke screen and just run and gun. Uh, if there's other destroyers in the area, you probably should rethink what you're doing, and if there's other cruisers in the area, make sure they're at extreme range, or just like American cruisers that can't hit destroyers to save their lives. Um... Otherwise, you will run into serious issues. As far as how to play this ship, I go for between the caps, generally. Um, sometimes I will find myself out on the flank, but the problem is this ship is so slow that it's hard to reposition. Uh, yeah, so generally I will go at islands and between the caps, kind of play around the islands, behind the islands, and, you know, try to ambush some prey. 
Um, pretty similar to Sirocco, actually. You know, you've got to try and pick your fights because if you go into a disadvantageous fight, you are going to be stuck there. And that is the biggest flaw to the Akazuki is that you have to pick your fights wisely and ensure that the engagement you're going into is favorable at all times because um, you can't get out of the situation. It's the same with the Forrest Sherman. By the way, I'm going to get the Forrest Sherman sometime fall, uh, late summer fall, once I get the enough coal. Um... You have to pick your engagements. Engagement picking is the number one key to success here because you may think that you have just insane DPM, and I mean you do, but you don't have insane practical DPM. Your practical DPM is easily countered by just dodging, uh, especially because of the long shelf light times. You, it's countered by damage saturation on the French destroyers. It's countered by damage saturation on superstructures and just good armor. So you do, you're not invincible, and I think that's the mindset that a lot of Akazuki uh, captains had, and certainly what I had uh, going into this, uh, this ship is that I can just push into anything, and it'll more or less work itself out. That is completely not the way. This is not a forest room, and this is not uh, a club area. You cannot get out of situations that are bad for you. There are cruisers, for gosh sakes, that can outrun you in a straight line. And even with your speed boost, you can expect to be run down by the likes of Napoli, by the likes of um, uh, Venezia, some of the faster, uh, pretty much any destroyer, and you will just be, you'll be hunted down. So you do have to be really careful, uh, make use of your smoke screens, uh, make use of islands, and that's the key to survival. And certainly don't push out in the open when you don't have support, because you will get focused down because people know the ship was dangerous, they know that if there's no destroyer there to counter it, that it will eat them alive slowly over time. I mean, an Akazuki left to its own devices is one of the most dangerous, if not the most dangerous ship in the game. So people know that. Like I said in my Fletcher episode, people will nail you for that because they know that if they leave you alone, you will kill them. And that's that's your biggest issue. You're a big target. You're a big target. People know you. The reputation of the ship precedes itself. So you have to keep that in mind. It's a very, in my opinion, you do have to play a bit cautiously now in the current um, state of the game until the ship's a little bit more forgotten and then you can kind of, you know, be be a little more arrogant or especially if your uh, team is winning. Uh, although don't win harder because that's, that's a good way to lose a game. Um, yeah, so be cautious, uh, but do strike when the time is right because sitting in the back of the map, trying to spam things at 10 kilometers, 12 kilometers consistently at small targets is not going to get you anywhere. So you do want... You do want to have, um, you just, you have to figure out how to pick your engagements. And if there's more ships than you, if there's destroyers that can outgun you, if there's destroyers that can hide from you, or, well, destroyers that you know have a clear path to hide from you and can just keep you spotted 100% of the time, uh, certainly be careful around them. You can drop a smoke screen and escape, but uh, you do have to be careful. Also, be careful radars. Radars are the death of this thing because it cannot maneuver around incoming fire, especially when it can't see said incoming fire. So, yeah, it's just the model. I guess the the moral of the story is be careful. Be careful. I mean, with great power comes great responsibility in this ship. Yes, you can out DPM pretty much anything except for French, unless it's French or the Forest Sherman, or, you know, or uh, Friesland. I forgot to mention the Friesland, or the Groningen. You can out DPM pretty much anything else, but you do have to be careful because there's things that can outmaneuver you, outplay you, and if played right, you're, you're not invincible. It's, this is no Petra Pavlovsk, although the Petra Pavlovsk now, with those nerfs, is being brought back into uh, balance. Anyways, yes, so 
it is, it is, you know, you have to choose your engagements. Choose your engagements. That's all I have to say. Anyways, that's it for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or ship suggestions, please feel free to email me at rankamateurpodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, captains. Captains. <laughs>